Well, good morning, Faith. Uh, I am so honored to be with you this morning. My name is Nicole Cox. I serve as the directing pastor at Willow Hill United Methodist Church uh, in Germantown Hills, Illinois, right outside of Peoria. And I'm so honored to be with you. When Melissa asked me, I was just pleased to come and bring you a message this morning. You know, Pastor Melissa and I have been friends for many years. We actually met when we decided uh, we didn't even know each other yet. We were introduced kind of by a friend to room together at a conference and to go on this road trip together and uh, was maybe a risky thing to do, but it really worked out for us and we've been dear friends ever since and created hashtag Pastor Besties, which is a little online community and vlog where we talk about what it's like to be clergy women and we just have so much fun. I often come up to Freeport to film those with her in non-pandemic times and I have to tell you, one of my favorite places in Freeport is the This Is It Eatery. Delicious. Um, so I'm looking forward to when I can come back up and visit and get some more food there. And uh, just want to thank you again for the opportunity this morning to share. Uh, so let us worship together. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we are grateful to worship where we are this morning and to know that you will meet us right where we are. We pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to receive this morning what you would have us to receive. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, life is full of mysteries, isn't it? Like, how is it possible that chocolate and peanut butter, both delicious on their own, when put together, oh, just so much better, right? Or how is it that my sweet, darling children can create such a pile of laundry, the likes of which the world has never seen? And speaking of laundry, what happens to all of those missing socks? Talk about a mystery, right? Today, we are going to be talking about a topic that is shrouded in mystery, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is one of those great mysteries in life that we can catch a glimpse of from time to time, but it still remains quite mysterious. You know, I like to think of the kingdom of God like a Sasquatch. I know, I know, but stick with me on this. The kingdom of God is like a Sasquatch because it's almost as if you can just see it through the fog, but then it fades into the background, into the mist, and it is lost. Now, I kind of wonder if that's the first time that the kingdom of God has been compared to a Sasquatch or not. I don't think Jesus ever did that. <laughs> but here is the thing about the kingdom of God. Just when we feel like we get an idea of what it's all about, we find that the mystery of the kingdom is so much deeper than we could ever fathom. You know, the kingdom of God is just mysterious. What is the kingdom of God? How does it work? And where is it? So we're going to kind of dive into this topic today to see how Jesus taught about the kingdom throughout scriptures and, and to see how we might embrace for ourselves the mystery of the kingdom of God. Now, as we read through the story of Jesus's life, we find that it doesn't take long before he starts talking about the kingdom of God. Very, very early in Jesus's ministry, 
he begins to mention the kingdom. Let's take a look. This is Luke chapter 4, verses 42 and 43. When daybreak arrived, Jesus went to a deserted place. The crowds were looking for him. When they found him, they tried to keep him from leaving them, but he said to them, I must preach the good news of God's kingdom in other cities too, for this is why I have been sent. So from his earliest days in ministry, Jesus is clear on why he has been sent to earth to preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Now this kingdom wasn't like earthly kingdoms. The reign of the king wasn't heralded by a coronation and a parade, but rather this kingdom was ushered in with the cries of a baby in a manger. Jesus came that we might grasp, better grasp, the kingdom of God. He came to show us that this kingdom was not and is not what we might expect, but is something so much more important. He was ushering in this kingdom right into our midst. In fact, Jesus discusses this exact thing with some Pharisees when they approach him with some questions. This is Luke chapter 17, 20 through 21. The Pharisees asked Jesus when God's kingdom was coming, and he replied, God's kingdom isn't coming with signs that are easily noticed, nor will people say, look, here it is, or there it is. Don't you see? God's kingdom is already among you. Now, another translation of this passage says, God's kingdom is in your midst. Or another says, the kingdom of God is within you. Regardless of the translation we go with here, this is clear. The kingdom of God is not a far-off place. It's not in another realm. It's not a place that we're going to when we die. It is here, now, in our midst, within us. And Jesus is trying to help us understand that this is reality, that the kingdom of God is here. One of my favorite books is Love Wins by Rob Bell. As I was thinking about the kingdom of God, I was reminded of a great passage that he has in his book about this topic. He talks about how even though Jesus proclaims that the kingdom of God is within us, it is still hard for us to understand this mystery. He explains it like this. Jesus lived and spoke as if the whole world was a thin place for him, with endless dimensions of the divine infinitesimally close, with every moment and every location simply another experience of the divine reality that is all around us, through us, under and above us, all the time. He then goes on to explain why the kingdom is a mystery to us. He says, it's as if we are currently trying to play the piano wearing oven mitts. We can make noise, sometimes even hit the notes well enough to bang out a melody, but it doesn't sound like it could or should. The elements are all there, the fingers, the keys, the strings, the ears, but there's something in the way something inhibiting our ability to fully experience 
all the possibilities. Isn't that good? I find that to be a really fitting metaphor. The kingdom is all around us, in our midst, even within us. But there is something that is keeping us from being able to fully understand, fully comprehend the kingdom. There's some sort of barrier, an oven mitt between our fingers and the keys, if you will. This barrier, of course, is our own selfishness and self-reliance, our sinfulness and fallenness. Before there was sin and we were living in the Garden of Eden, there was no oven mitt, no barrier between us and God. The kingdom was right in front of our eyes. We saw it. We breathed it. It was all around us and in us, and we recognized it easily. But when we chose the path of sin, it took us away from the kingdom of God. That sin created a barrier between us and our understanding of the kingdom. It distanced us from God's kingdom. Distanced, but it never left us. Because deep in our bones, in the depths of our souls, there was still this yearning for the kingdom of God. This generational remembrance of how it used to be when the kingdom of God was obvious and evident and present. And that remembrance has guided us ever since. From generation to generation, that feeling in the depths of our bones reminds us that there is something more to our lives than living for ourselves. That there is a greater purpose than living for our own self-centered focus. When we begin to unearth that generational remembrance in our lives, when we begin to get a clearer and clearer picture of the kingdom of God, though the mystery remains, we are, we are able to chase more closely after the kingdom. And the better and longer glimpses we get of the kingdom— and the longing feeling that we feel in our soul is satiated by these glimpses of the kingdom that remind us of who we are and who we were created to be. Kingdom builders. Being kingdom builders means that we seek to bring God's will to this earth. That we seek to bring his kingdom here. Being kingdom builders means that we are on the front lines sharing God's goodness and grace with others, making sure the good news is known. But this is where the mystery of the kingdom can be a little overwhelming for us. How does it work? How do we bring the kingdom of God on earth? Well, Jesus tells us that it starts small. Let's look at Matthew 13, 31 through 35. He told another parable to them. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and planted in his field. It's the smallest of all seeds, but when it's grown, it's the largest of all vegetable plants. It becomes a tree so that birds in the sky can come and nest in its branches. And he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast, 
which a woman took and hid in a bushel of wheat flour until the yeast had worked its way through all the dough. It starts small, but it doesn't stay small. It grows and it grows and it grows. It doesn't become fully grown in an instant. It takes time. Maybe you have taken up bread baking during the pandemic. Uh, early on, my mom decided that she wanted to teach my daughter how to bake bread over FaceTime. So one afternoon, we attempted to do just that, to bake a loaf of bread. And I assumed it would take a good, I don't know, 30 minutes to put the dough together and then an hour in the oven and we'd be done. Y'all, that bread took all afternoon to bake. We made the dough and we let it rise. And we kneaded it and we let it rise. And we kneaded it again and we let it rise. And so on and so on. It took forever. But in the end, it was really delicious. And we were pretty proud of our work at baking this loaf of bread. That's how the kingdom of God is. We work at it, we let it rise. We work at it some more, we let it rise, and so on. The kingdom of God will not be fully Im realized immediately. It takes time. And just as yeast spreads through the whole dough, and just as the tiniest seed can grow into the tallest tree, so is the kingdom of God. That small acts on our part can make a huge difference in the world. It is a great mystery that is only understood by the mind of God. The kingdom of God is our great hope. It's what we have all been waiting for. When God will inhabit this earth in his full glory. Where, as it says in Revelation, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. When the old order passes away and God brings something new and beautiful, where brokenness will cease to exist and everything will be whole and perfect, that is the kingdom that we are helping to bring to the earth now. But how, you ask? Well, theologian N.T. Wright says this, Jesus' resurrection is the beginning of God's new project not to snatch people away from earth to heaven, but to colonize earth with the life of heaven. God wants our help to make this a reality, to colonize earth with the life of heaven, to have the goodness of heaven overtake this world so much so that heaven pushes out any evil, injustice, discontent, anger, jealousy, resentment, pride, and so on. That the kingdom of God, the colony of heaven, might bring life abundant to our world. And so, Jesus asked that we might help to make this a reality that we might help with this colonization work, that we might help bring heaven here. Now, maybe you're thinking, whoa, 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 Nicole, I've never been to heaven. I don't know how I could ever bring heaven on earth. 
Oh, but friend, you can. We bring the kingdom every time we say yes when God asks us to do something. We bring the kingdom when we choose to follow God's will instead of our own will. We bring the kingdom whenever we take something that is a reality in our heavenly future and make it a reality now. That is the kingdom of God. Rob Bell says it this way, the kingdom is what happens when the future is dragged into the present. That's how we bring the kingdom to earth. That's how we see an inbreaking of the kingdom into our world. Whenever we drag what is meant for our heavenly future into our present. That means every time we feed a hungry person, every time we help a family who is going through a difficult time, it happens every time we send money over to a foreign country so that they can buy medical supplies that they need. It happens when we send missionaries into our cities and our state and our country and into our world. It happens when we make warming kits for the homeless. It happens when we volunteer to help out a neighbor by mowing their lawn or bringing a meal over. It happens when we call someone and tell them that we've been thinking about them and praying for them. Or when we invite someone to come and join us at church, to join a small group so that they can feel that community. All of these things are making certain that the kingdom of God is at hand. Whenever we bring a piece of that perfect kingdom of God to earth, whenever God helps us to write something that has gone awry in our world, that is the kingdom of God. Jesus has more to say on the topic of the kingdom. Let's hear what he says in Mark 12, 28 through 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, Of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding and with all of your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is important, is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. From then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Jesus tells this man that he is not far from the kingdom of God. Why? Because he understands that in order to bring the kingdom to earth, the most important thing is love. Love. Loving God, loving people. This is how we bring the kingdom to earth. 
If we want to be a part of something new, if we want to help God drag what is meant for the future into our present, if we want to be responsible for advancing the kingdom of God, we must love. We must love. Love is the key to all the questions we have about the kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? Love. How does the kingdom of God work? Love. How can we bring the kingdom of God here now? Love. Love is the answer. Love is what makes the kingdom of God come clearer into focus. Love burns away that fog and helps us to see the kingdom for what it really is. Love reminds us of that longing that we have deep in our souls to return to Eden. It's all about love. So keep loving. Keep finding new and innovative ways of reaching out into our community and into our world. Keep serving. Keep sharing. Keep working to bring the kingdom of God here. It is our sole purpose, S-O-L-E, but it's also our sole purpose, S-O-U-L. So may you recognize that the kingdom of God is near, right here in your midst. May you continue to share the love of God with everyone you meet. And may you love this world so well that the kingdom of God might spring forth from your every effort. Would you join me in prayer, please? O oh, good and gracious God, help us to build your kingdom here. Help us to find ways to love others so that your kingdom might break into our midst. Open our eyes that we might see ways to share your love with others. We want your kingdom to be here now. Help us to bring it. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.